0: This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life, so I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. What's going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome to another episode of Black and Gold Rush. I am so pumped right now because I just finished interviewing this week's guest, New Orleans sports columnist Larry Holder of The Athletic. Larry and I go back a ways to our three years working together at NOLA.com, and it was awesome to reconnect with him. As we get into, Larry has covered the Saints since 2006. His first day on the beat with the Biloxi Sun-Herald was the press conference to announce Drew Brees' signing. He shifted gears to a columnist role in 2013 and joined the great team at The Athletic in August of 2018. We both got our writing start in the basement of Hodges Hall at the Daily Reveille. LSU grads know what I mean. And now he'll have a front row seat to a Saints quarterback battle the entire nation will be watching this summer, after Drew Brees made his retirement official March 14th. Our advice? Adjust your eyes, because this Saints team will look much different than we're used to. Still plenty of star power, no doubt, but will that be enough to get them back to the playoffs? And stay tuned till the end for our first ever random round. I surprised Larry with seven rapid fire questions that will be a staple in future episodes. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Here's Larry Holder. Larry Holder, welcome to the pod. It's great to be with you again. It's
1: like old times. It's like a reunion. It's a Spic Reunion here. No, great to be uh with you here on the pod. Rachel uh, glad to see you're uh, you're doing the pod. I think that's uh that's cool.
0: Well, thanks, Larry. That means so much. And there is so much I want to talk to you about Saints-wise. But first, let's go back a bit. Tell us where it all began for you. What attracted you to sports journalism?
1: Well, I wanted to be a professional athlete, and I figured out that I was not going to be that. So I figured I'd do the next best thing and be covering sports. And so uh, I went to, like you, went to LSU. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to go there and be in TV. And then once I landed a job at the Reveille, uh, it changed for me. Uh, I felt like you could do deeper dives and storytelling and that sort of thing. And, uh, look, you know, it was uh, the Reveille became your life when you were in college uh, it, it, because it was I think we were the first staff to go five days a week. Print edition, and so that took up a lot of time. Was far more valuable than class. Sorry, I know everyone stay in school. The student paper was far more valuable than class because it's hands on, and so
0: like generally, so I asked,
1: yeah, exactly. So from there, uh, my first job was in Killeen, Texas, which is extremely random, and I was there for six months, and then I took a job after that for the Galveston County daily news where I got to cover everything from preps to the world series, because the Astros were huge back then. That's when they had Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit uh, and, and those guys. And so then, uh, you know, I was able to get a job at the Biloxi sun Herald as a saints writer and covered, I covered more than saints. I covered everything from preps to minor league hockey to the saints. Uh, But of course the saints was my main thing. And then, so I've, I've been, Covering the team, I've just finished 15 years, this is aging me, Rachel, 15th <laughs> season, and I'm 41, so I started when I was a beat writer at 26, and so I've, mm-hmm. I've been at the Biloxi Sun-Herald, Sports.com, the Times-Pick Union, now at The Athletic, uh, and it's uh, it's been quite a ride, uh, it's definitely been quite a ride in, in journalism land.
0: Absolutely. Wow. I mean, we've had so many common experiences. Like we both started at the, at the daily Reveille at at LSU. Um, And I mean, that definitely impacted me so much. Um, Just going into, I mean, Hodges Hall, like, you know, every single day uh, when I was a college student, that practical experience just shaped me as a, as a college student. And, you know, you, you mentioned that you Started at um, um at Killeen, Texas, just getting yes, your foot in the door. Extremely random.
1: <laughs> yes, if you don't know where it is, it's basically Fort Hood. It's between, uh, so it's one of the biggest army bases in the country. But still, it is. Uh, it's between Austin and Waco, and so yeah, I spent. Six glorious months there, and was ready to get out. So, thankfully, I was able to move to Gal. Move. I lived in Houston, but I worked mm-hmm. in Galveston for two and a half years.
0: Wow! And then, yeah, right, right. So, so just pay, paying your dues, and then, you know, right, then moving on to covering covering the Saints, where you've been for for fifteen years now. So, you've got a beautiful family now, two sons. Tell us about them. Are they into into sports at all?
1: <laughs> My sons, they play them, but. But they're not Saints fans and they're they're more Pelicans fans. Actually. OK, but uh, they're not necessarily Saints fans. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, my two boys and then my wife, Joni, she's uh, also in journalism. She does TV. So she works at uh, Fox 8 in New Orleans and has been in TV for. 20 plus years so our media family makes life a little easier to understand her crazy hours because she goes in at 4 a.m and then my crazy lifestyle where i've got to do some traveling uh with the team so i i I feel like Having a media spouse definitely helps uh, when it when it comes to this job, no question.
0: Hey, yeah, that that support definitely, no doubt about it. So, but uh, right, speaking of your of your sons, you know, you you mentioned they're more Pelicans fans than uh, than than Saints fans. That, that's interesting. I'm sure the Pelicans would be happy to hear that, but uh, but I mean, they're they're kind of one operation there over on Airline Drive. So, uh, but hey, uh, it's in, it's fascinating how there's a general. Generation of, of, of New Orleanians who only know Drew Brees as the quarterback. And, you know, this week he made it official, not a surprise to any of us that he was going to call it a career. It was great to read in your recent article that you published on The Athletic uh, called Drew Brees' Tales about how you were assigned to the Saints beat for the Biloxi Sun-Herald, literally the day he signed 15 years ago and had his introductory press conference. If you could take us back to that day and describe how you saw Breeze and the Saints give fans and the city hope really from that day and every season he played. I mean, it, it was like the Saints had a chance when they didn't before that.
1: Absolutely, like he gave you a shot, and Mm -hmm. that's. uh, But also, let's go back to that day. Mm -hmm. We did not know if he was going to pan out because he's coming off of the shoulder surgery. Uh, Look, he he was ready to go to Miami, and they did not medically clear him, and the Saints did, and so it's not really that the Saints were necessarily his first choice, and that's understandable given the circumstances, given. Uh, the state of the team and, of course, the state of the the two cities. I mean, you know, New Orleans is coming back from Hurricane Katrina and has a history of nothing. And Miami has, has gone to playoffs, and won Super Bowls uh, in their history. But it was definitely a roll of the dice, really, for both sides. And I feel like that's where, when you reflect on Drew Brees, uh, they had to basically – Recreate a franchise, recreate his career, and so they were kind of on parallel planes there. And Rachel, if you you remember, he wasn't the big deal that mm. off season. Reggie Bush was the big deal that That's off season. True, and yeah. so people didn't. people was like, all right, well, Drew Brees, this, that, and the other. I mean, everyone thought Reggie Bush was going to be the savior, and then uh, you know, Br- the legend of Breeses now comes up. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, it's it's definitely. Uh, a kinship where they grew together and obviously led to the most significant success in the history of this organization by a landslide.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you make that point that they it really was a roll of the dice i mean and you think about if miami would have decided to clear him you know nick saban was the coach at the time how things would have transpired differently for so many different people you know yes uh, nick
1: saban would probably still be <laughs> coaching the dolphins to this day and he would have never gone to alabama and right. maybe lsu might have won more national championships so hey yeah. it's <laughs> it's kind of a give and take so since that didn't work out at least they got Drew Brees here big time success helped win a Super Bowl so hey, it's it's a give and take at least LSU won a couple more in the in the span of Saban uh, at Alabama so hey, it's okay
0: yeah i mean it's so true um uh, yeah it's crazy that uh i hate that the Saints only won one Super Bowl with with Drew Brees but you know, for me, what stands out almost the more are the emotional moments, you know, of all the impact that he made off the field. You know, he, I think about him talking to his kids after he broke Peyton Manning's yardage record and the lessons that he shared with them and obviously everything that he did for the city after, you know, Hurricane Katrina. The wins are important and I wish there were more no doubt about it, you know, more Super Bowls, but it's going to be an adjustment without number nine under center next season. Larry, I mean, they haven't, it's been 15 years. What is, I mean, there's going to be a competition uh, that we haven't seen at the most important position on the field. So it is going to be an adjustment and a gaping hole that the Saints are going to have to address.
1: I'm more fascinated though, to go watch football practice for the first time in a billion zillion years, just because uh, there is going to be a legitimate quarterback uh, battle. And -hmm. that of course is going to be between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And like, I even think Sean Payton, I'm not saying they're going to go run out and trade up and go get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's not going to happen, but, or go trade up and go get another quarterback, but they're going to scour this college class too, just to see what's, what's what, I mean, they have four picks in the first two days of the draft. And so I think they have to do their due diligence there. Uh, But it is, people are looking at it, and rightfully so, where it's going to be Jameis versus Taysom. And uh, it is, I think it's, it's it's also bizarre for Saints fans that one of the people competing, it was a division rival for so long, and he had his ups and downs. And so there's an uneasiness there, and then of course there's an uneasiness with Taysom Hill, even though he went three and one as a starting quarterback this past year. Uh, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing to the eye. It, it was a mishmash of let's run him, safe passes. It, so it wasn't completely clear as far as all right, he did not go and win the job by going three and one. Uh, he may have actually put himself behind in the job because I think it it, some of his plays and some of his playing, uh, Sean Payton had some worries about uh, just timing and, uh, and kind of digesting what defenses were throwing at him when he was a passer. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, Jameis comes with baggage as well, a a lot of baggage. Uh, And so it is going to be, uh, everybody's going to be sitting out there jotting down every throw. Who who? There's going to be like daily stats coming out on on, on these guys, and like I, I think fans are. I'm not saying that they they're ready for a change, but I think this is kind of a refresher. You knew a change was going to come, and so I think I think there is actually an excitement to to see what's next uh, with Drew Brees uh, at 42 retiring from football.
0: Right. I mean, Drew is he's got an, the next chapter ahead of him with broadcasting, I mean, and his family life. And I mean, right. And the local media, like you said, it sounds like you can't wait to get out there and start tracking every throw, the daily stats, like you said. I mean, right. It's going to be fascinating. It sounds like, you know, the Sean Payton hat knew what he wanted to do all along. He wanted to re-sign Jameis. He wanted to give them a chance to compete. And I mean, are y'all just not super excited to get to ask Sean Payton every single day you know who has got the inside track <laughs> uh,
1: well i don't know if i'm going to do that every day and ask him because i'm just going to have to use my eyes and yeah. because i'm sure he will uh snarl yes. at people and like we've yeah, I've, I've i've had him snarl at me once or twice <laughs> or 50 times in life so hey i'm used to it but still uh, i think it's it's something that uh, you know, he's not going to know the answer to no, until no. we get through training camp and such. But uh, like to me though, I think Jameis is a favorite. I All think right. he's going to win the job. Yeah. I, like, I think he's gifted. Uh, but Sean does need to. And I feel like that he, he feels like he can coach the turnovers away from Jameis. Now that's not an easy thing to do because look, I've talked to so many people uh, even in the last season, I was still writing about Drew Brees' successor and uh, look, I, I did a big long story in the Athletic and spoke with uh, Kurt Warner. I spoke with Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, uh, Lewis Riddick from Monday Night Football, uh, and uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. So I, I did a big, large scope, going from pro to college prospects. And Kurt Warner was way ahead and said, "Look, I think Jameis should be the guy. I don't care who's out there, this, that, the other." This was in October of 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 last season, and. Uh, he knows he has his issues this that and the other uh, as far as being turning the football over. Uh, But I, like I said, someone like a hall of fame quarterback, he says, look, I think Jameis would be uh, a guy that Sean Payton can certainly relate to. And I think when you have the year, the fact that Jameis was there a year, I think that helps. Uh, He was able to learn from Drew Brees, learn his habits, pick up good habits, pick up the offense. Not to say that Taysom hasn't done that over the last few years, but Jameis is a more talented quarterback than Taysom. And so that's, uh, that's part of it. And also Jameis coming back, he's not breaking the bank. And so they're only tied together. Both of them are only tied together for a year with the saints. So if this thing implodes, we could be having this conversation next year about other quarterbacks, but, but they've at least given themselves not a long-term, oh my gosh, if this thing is bad, we got to keep going with this. So, but it would be super fascinating uh, I know the NFL world's gonna be watching. I know you're gonna yeah. be watching. You yes. know I'm gonna be watching.
0: <laughs> yes, right. I was just thinking about the NFL world, you know, you and and you made that point. It's gonna be super interested in seeing how this is gonna play out. And right, I think that Jameis Winston has the right the inside track. And that would and that might enable Taysom Hill to possibly hold on to his Swiss Army knife role a little bit. Do you think, or yeah, I would assume. Uh Yes, I would
1: assume he would be if if he doesn't win the job.
0: Okay.
1: I think they will bring in some other quarterback and Mm -hmm. say, "All right, if Jameis gets hurt, this guy goes in and plays." But we're going to keep Taysom doing Taysom things, and so I don't think you want to take that away from your offense. Now, I do think that Taysom Hill will still have packages just like he did with Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he would come in and and do some things uh, and. We'll see how this goes for another year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. You can't it just if if Taysom loses a job, you don't just park him on the sideline and say, "Hey, hold the clipboard, be Chase Daniel, and collect money." Like that's they're gonna play him somewhere, and just someone else will be holding the clipboard and, and collecting <laughs> money.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, Drew Brees and the quarterback position. Uh, so let's get into some other moves the Saints have made because there are a lot of them. Uh, they had to get under the uh, salary cap uh, by the, by this week, the start of the new league year. Uh, so, I mean, Trey Hendrickson is now a Bengal. Uh, You tweeted you were surprised about the value of his contract uh, that he got. uh, Janoris Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Malcolm Brown, they all have new teams. Uh, The Saints got a seventh-round pick uh, for Brown. But, um, Larry, you wrote recently the Saints uh, may have stars, which they – I mean, they do, there's no doubt, but the middle tier of the Saints roster – is falling apart. Explain that word choice, falling apart. Too harsh or just right?
1: Well, it's disappearing. I mean, they're all just leaving town. So, you know, falling apart, disappearing, (laughs) evaporating, whatever. Yeah, But no, look, these last few years when the Saints were really good, it's because they had quality across the board. And now they have a really top-heavy team of superstar players but now instead of trey hendrickson you're gonna have to worry about all right is is marcus davenport gonna finally pan out you don't have emmanuel sanders okay are some of these young receivers gonna become a number two guy i mean there's a reason why the saints went out and got him because they didn't have a number two guy you look at tight end they have adam troutman and who else like where's the rest they're not there Janoris Jenkins, so to me, is the biggest loss. There's nobody on the roster right now that can take that spot. And there's a reason why you're hearing some veteran names, most prominently, say, Richard Sherman, attached to the Saints because they have a new secondary coach. It's uh, Chris Richard. He was a mm-hmm. defensive coordinator in Seattle with the Legion of Boom. So that makes sense. But can they afford it? Right. Yeah, but So uh, you look at that, and then you mentioned also Malcolm Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh he played 50% of the snaps at, at nose tackle and who's going to take his spot. I mean, when he got hurt last year, the Saints run defense suffered. He's a yeah. big run stopper. He helped them be one of the best the run defensive teams in the, in the league. And so when you don't have that, where do you go? And so, you know, linebacker Quan Alexander's gone. We assume Alex Anzalone has gone. Yeah. Zach Bond has never been a starter as a traditional linebacker of the NFL. Can you lean on him? So, and a lot of this I'm talking about on defense, but look, they, Holes yeah. on offense too. Uh, is Blake Gillikin going to be able to replicate Thomas Morrison? <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. I know. I, I mean, it's I, all I, over the place.
0: Right. Right. Like I rattled off like the four or five biggest ones, you know. But there are still so many, you know, that the Saints had to cut. Like the, I feel like this is going to this team is going to look so different next season. And I feel, I feel deep within myself that they're they're going to be able to compete. But just I can't get over the number of new faces that they're gonna have. Like it's just it's, wild.
1: It, it's definitely culture shock, and obviously yeah. it's which starts with Drew Brees. I mean, mm, so right. but still, yeah. but still, it is a lot of the players that you, veteran type players, you're gonna be gambling on younger players. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like it's something that it will definitely be you have to adjust your eyes <laughs> and, and yeah. you, you, you know, you assume, Oh, well, somebody, somebody's, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about Janoris Jenkins because he's a, he's a good cornerback. Well, you're going to worry about what's going on over there now. And you're going to worry about some of these other aspects that you really did not have that much of a worry. And of course you're going to worry at quarterback. So no doubt. <laughs> we are going to have to kind of program our brains a little differently and say, all right, well, if the saints get into the playoffs, this is good. And then they figure it out after it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I I still think that they could make the playoffs. I, I think they're probably still the number two team in the NFC South. Uh, yeah. Tampa's definitely the favorite, and this is again culture shock. Yeah, shop. sorry, they're
0: Saints just, fans. Uh-huh. <laughs> I
1: think <laughs> hey, I think they're at least they get it, mm-hmm. but they just don't want to be like third or fourth, and I don't think they're there yet. But no. still, it is. Uh, I think they can contend to make the playoffs and then see what happens. And so, but it's. Uh, but if it doesn't, then you know they yeah. might. Make a change at quarterback and go a different direction. You know, it's not like Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis still have job security. I mean, they're not going anywhere. So Mm -hmm. they'd have to make some change ups here.
0: Right, right. So, right. Adjust your eyes, program your brains for for next season. That's for sure. There are going to be a lot of new faces to to get used to um, because of all all of the players that are now gone, you know, most notably at quarterback, but tons of people on on defense special teams. I mean, Justin Hardy, you know, with the, you know, gone to the Jets now, you know, that's another one. Uh, But uh, so Richard Sherman, he has been, you know, linked to the, he, he, the saints are, you know, reportedly, uh, you know, possibly, you know, could be, uh, a player for, for his, for him at cornerback. Uh, he would be reunited with his old DBs coach and Chris, uh, Richard, uh, my first thought was go younger at corner in the draft, Larry. Uh, but, i. What's the talk around the athletic about where the Saints might go at twenty-eight in the draft?
1: Look, they can be flexible. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Uh, and if they love a player, they could still trade up. I mean, they moved up from twenty-seven to fourteen to go get Marcus Davenport a few years ago, and they have some tradable assets, tr- draft picks wise, to do that if they if they really want one. And so, when you look at it in that sense. I think they have to sign a veteran, but then draft a corner. Uh, I, I I can see it in round one. Uh, good timing because I'm actually putting together today my first Saints mock draft of the season. Well, technically, I did another one in, in roster projections because uh, it was part of, hey, well, I've, I've got to include draft picks. But no, th- today I'm going to do uh, one post first wave of free agency. And so I will give you the, the heads up go to Vegas, put money down, then I'm going to put a cornerback in their class. I know it's not on the betting line, but hey, it, it, but yeah. that's, that's the point. They're, they're going to have to go young there uh, right. because young also means inexpensive that's that, true. That's, that's a matter as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is a premium for the saints right now. Yeah. Last week, uh, Jordan Reed of the draft network came on the podcast and we saw, uh, yeah, he had, um, Greg Newsom, the second going, uh, to the Packers, uh, at 29. And so I, and that was right after, uh, Janoris Jenkins got, uh, released. And so I was like, okay, well, what about Newsom maybe to the, to the saints, you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I think that would be an excellent fit, you know? So yeah, I think definitely right between the, the need and the inexpensive factor, I think for sure, cornerback and, you know, maybe even receiver in round two, you know, that, so draft fever coming up, uh, definitely. So, okay. On that note, uh, this has been amazing. So let's move into our last segment. Now the random round, we're actually debuting it this week. Uh, quick questions and quick answers for our guests to close out each show so Larry are you ready
1: and you didn't even prep me I told you not to prep me so I just got to go first thing comes up on top of my head let's get crazy Rachel let's get out of control let's go
0: okay okay so um number one what is a sports venue you have not been to that you would love to visit
1: Wrigley field. And I'm a Cubs fan. It's like, I'm it's heresy. I've never been to Wrigley field. That's I, I've been to soldier field tons, not Wrigley. I, I, there's no excuse. I need to go there that or Wimbledon. I need to go to Wimbledon. I'm a big tennis Oh my tennis guy. gosh.
0: I would love to go to Wimbledon. My dad and I have <laughs> talked about that for years. That has been on our bucket list of, of sports things to do. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Number two, describe Drew Brees in one word.
1: Professional. Excellent. Uh,
0: (laughs) Hey, Hey, I, uh, I think everybody that comes on the show is going to have something to say about Drew Brees. So I thought I would throw that in there. All right. Three. What profession other than your own, would you most like to attempt?
1: Oh my. Uh, I'd probably want to own a sports bar, but my wife would shoot me. So I don't think that would actually be in the cards. Uh, but, uh, Hey, I'd want to be on the ATP tour, a tennis player. I mean, I'd fail. I'd lose every time, but I'd want to do it.
0: <laughs> All right. Four, what is a food you could not live without?
1: Crawfish. I want it now. Like, I want <laughs> no. it right this second, now.
0: Uh, seriously, right there with you. <laughs> All right. Name a role model who impacted your life.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, it's... When I was uh, in grade school, I I had a a coach, and he was uh, someone that he invested all of his time in kids, and Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Dave McCuller, and -hmm. it was at St. Matthew in River Ridge, and he was always sports, 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 but he was just someone that uh, was, like, there for you if you needed him. And so, you know, outside of obvious, like, parents, so I'm going a little off, off that topic. But yeah, I I'd say him that he was, he was always a really good influence, uh, for people grow, you know, within the school and that sort of thing. So random shout out to coach Dave.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And what is one piece of advice you received that helped you get where you are today?
1: I would say always be skeptical because in this business someone could be telling you something and they could be telling you a flat out lie. And so be skeptical and don't stop digging uh, because it's a lot of stories you don't know where they're going to take you and so that comes with being skeptical. You keep digging because you're skeptical and so uh, but yeah I, I think that's uh, that and but always tell just don't be afraid, to write it like it is, tell it like it is. You might take heat from the subject. I mean, like I said, I, me and Sean Payton, have, we butted heads. But hey, it's it's it is what it is. You don't want to hear it, but that's that's the nature of it. And I think people in our business, if you do it uh, tactfully, you don't go screaming like a psychopath. But if you do it tactfully, look, they they respect that you have a strong opinion, but it's a uh, it's one that that comes with analysis and doing your homework and being around. So you know. That's not a that is not a short answer. So I I guess concise is not was not the advice that I got.
0: Hey, that's hey. No, no, that's completely <laughs> fine. And um finally last question, um if you could spend an hour with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Hmm.
1: Shaq. I was always a big Shaq guy. I, I it's funny when I was a kid, I liked LSU basketball and not necessarily LSU football. So I was always a Shaquille O'Neal fan. So yeah, I I would, an hour, I'd I'd want more time, but yeah, I, but yeah, I, I got to say Shaquille O'Neal.
0: All right. Excellent. Excellent, Larry. And finally, where can listeners connect more with you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, theathletic.com slash New Orleans. Uh, all my written work is there. Uh, Jeff Duncan and I, we do our podcast, the Duncan Holder podcast. You can find that on The Athletic as well. Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. And then Twitter at Larry Holder. Easy to find me there. And so, yeah, it's uh, all, all the goodies. You, you can uh, You can check it all out.
0: Awesome. Well, Larry Holder, it has been such a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much.
1: Good seeing you again, Rachel. I know, I'm glad you're back in the getting back in the game. I like it. Good to see you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope to do it again real soon. Awesome. You got story. it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, Uda.